0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're listening to this. I am joined by none other than Andrew Keeler on, I think, episode 19, maybe 18 of the Strongcast. Um, Andrew was our guest on, I believe, our second ever episode, where he talked about um, dieting. <laughs> I think we stop. talked about, I think we talked about dieting and the the basic principles of things that will stop you from losing weight and things that you really don't need to worry about. I think that's what we covered. Um, and we said in that podcast that me and Andrew both have a fair amount of experience of doing what most people would describe as stupid crash diets, whether it's um, when Andy uh, won his British finals and it was uh, something he had to do as a necessary or something that I, I like to do because I'd rather diet for 21 days than for three months. Um, and it's something that whenever I talk about, you get loads and loads of people asking questions on how does that work? What do you do? Um, don't lose all your muscles, that kind of thing. So we figured we'd get Andy on and we were going to discuss how something like that might look, why it might be a good idea, despite everyone talking about balance and sustainable dieting and stuff, why it might be a terrible idea for you, some of the pitfalls, some of the things to expect, some of the things that actually won't happen despite what you've perhaps been told in the past. Is there anything to add to that, Andy?
1: I don't think so. Anything that could be added will probably just be added in between those bits anyway.
0: Sure. So without further ado... What kind of thing are we talking about, Andy, specifically in terms of food intake and the the results people would expect to see if they can actually do it? And I don't mean actually do it, but, you know, have Saturday off or go out for a roast on a Sunday, like actually stick to it, you know, for a period of, of 20 to 30 days. That's the kind of time frame we're looking at.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, that's it. I think that's one of the most important things. The, the sort of things that we have both done in the past and that you have just embarked on once again is a very short-lived process the reason why it is so short lived is because it it sucks it's a yep. shit process to go through it doesn't that's the that's the thing everything that we're going to talk about it doesn't feel good
0: people will always but, ask but, is it not is that sustainable though no it's not no one said it is no one's trying to make it sustainable it's a tool for a job and that job is to drop some body fat in a short period of time and then to have the self control to put yourself in a position where you're going to be able to maintain that new body weight yeah, because
1: that's it. It's it is purpose built to not be sustainable. It is to be sustained for as long as you can. Might be ten days. Might be two weeks. Might be three weeks. You might even do an entire four weeks. In our experience, you don't go beyond that.
0: No, I think I think kind of 25, 26 days is is the most I've managed.
1: Yeah, and how how long did you go calorie wise when you did that?
0: i can generally sit comfortably under a thousand for that um i don't tend to really think in terms of calories when i do i don't know if i do it slightly differently to you i know that we both kind of andy showed me the way once upon a time and then i've kind of gone off and done my own thing i will generally just eat lean cuts of meat um or whey and when i start to feel really really bad i'll have some green vegetables in there they don't count anyone knows they do is, is a faggot um and um, if I start to feel really terrible, I'll, add, I'll have a fatty cut of meat or, or some whole eggs or something, maybe every five days, um, but I won't track any of that. I'll just have a piece of, of ribeye or a piece of salmon with the skin on, and it may be psychological, but that, that little bit of a change seems to push you through.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's what we, we coined many, many years ago as the pronely diet. Yeah. Because yeah. it is protein only. There's no carbs, no trace carbs other than, obviously, like you said, whatever comes out, the little bit of veg that you do have. But the thing is, is that it works.
0: And And you don't really need to weigh everything and shit. Like, just have, like, four portions of a lean protein a day. You can't really fuck that up.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, is that it it does work, and it works really fucking well. And when you first said that you go below a 1,000 calories, I could practically feel the panic that people that are listening to this will feel. And, and for those well, of you
0: who don't know me personally, I'm, I'm six foot. I'm, I normally sit around 115 kilos, and I maintain on about 4,000 calories a day, roughly. That's kind of where, between three and 4,000 calories, my weight stays pretty stable with my level of activity and what I do on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a massive deficit.
1: Yeah, and that's it. It's, you know, it's, it's that art of being able to open up that massive deficit, maintain it for as long as possible, because the, the thing is, once you've done it, you realise that getting rid of body fat really isn't difficult. And it really is just down to create a deficit and maintain it. And the longer that you can maintain the massive deficit, the faster
0: the results come. Now, something me and Andy have talked about in the past, um, people will at this point, I suspect, say, but a calorie is a calorie. A thousand calories from protein is the same as a thousand calories from... It's not. A carbohydrate and a fat, they're both energy- giving macros. They're macros that your body can readily use for fuel. Proteins not used in the same way, regardless of somebody at this point will probably say, what about Um, It's much easier for your body to use stored body fat than it is to break down proteins into amino acids and then break those down into, into carbohydrates to, to burn as fuel. That process is incredibly inefficient and would never provide enough fuel for a person to survive. Hence, proteins are not the same as carbs and a calorie is not a calorie um if you want any more information on that i suggest you look up a condition called rabbit starvation which is where people have lots and lots and lots of food but it's only protein and they still starve to death
1: yeah i mean one thing that people never tend to consider when they look at the amount of protein that they consume is the thermic effect of food which is wildly different from protein to fats you know fats being roughly 5% of the calories that you eat that are fats will be used in the digestion of it for protein. You're looking at 25%. So if you eat a thousand calories from protein, your body's only going to get 750 because 25% of the thousand has been lost to entropy
0: essentially. And, And your body's ability to lay those down as fat is basically non-existent and your body's ability to use them as energy is, is pretty limited. Now, do you want to explain a little bit further on that, Andy, because I know there'll be people jumping up and down at this point. Um, Because they've been told a calorie is a calorie. I
1: don't really want to. (laughs) It sounds shit because I know that this is what we're talking about. But the thing that more people are going to kick off about is that going going so low on calories is going to cause you to lose muscle. And it's just not fucking true. Because as we were saying, just before me and Rick started recording, I said... One thing that people are doing way too fucking much at the moment is acting like the human body is balanced on a razor's edge all the time. And if you push it a little bit too much in an extreme fashion, that you're just going to fall apart.
0: You, you're not
1: your a system will be crippled, you, you won't recover, and your mind will melt. And it's just not the fucking case.
0: No. Um, it, there are a few factors here. First of all, if you're on a protein-only diet, the only Food you're having is protein. So if your body was in a situation where it needed to break down amino acids to use as fuel, which doesn't really happen particularly well, it's going to prefer to take stored store body fat. The amino acids that you're consuming are going to be much more readily available than the amino acids in your muscles. Now, people like to talk about carbohydrates being protein sparing. Protein is even more protein sparing. Um, so even in a natural, if it's for a short duration, I wouldn't necessarily advise this for a natural. Um, you would be surprised at how little muscle you would lose if your protein intake is, is high enough. For someone who's assisted, it's really not something you need to worry about. If you were going to try and sustain this for a long period of time, then yes, but I don't give a fuck who you are. You're not going to sustain it for a long pe- period of time. People think they will. People people chat shit.
1: Yeah, if, any, if anybody does try this kind of approach, goes sub 1,000 calories as a bodybuilder and you know anybody else in any kind of sport, that says, "Oh, I did it for six weeks. I did it for eight weeks."
0: You did You're not, like, or you did it for six weeks or eight weeks, but you had a refeed on a Saturday. Or uh, what's the other one that's popular? Used to be popular. It's very on trend. Uh, you have a skip load. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The skip hill will take people to twelve hundred calories a day, but then they'll have eight thousand calories on a Saturday.
1: Yeah, and I mean that's, that's, that's thing. another thing as well. During this process, there is no cheat meal. There is no refeed. No. You just bottom out as hard as you can and just maintain, just run that to the end of the road.
0: Bottom out as hard as you can, sustain it for as long as you can, and then consciously don't then go, right, well, I've done that, so I'm going to blow out. The goal is then to go, right, so I will probably go back at the end of this to three to three and a half thousand calories at the bottom end of my normal maintenance. Um, yeah. This idea that your metabolism slows down your metabolic rate will decrease in line with your neat and your metabolic rate will decrease slightly because of your caloric intake going down but never to the degree that people expect and it'll also go back very very quickly so all you've got to really account for when you adjust your i don't really like the idea of reverse dieting because reverse dieting is effectively you're still in a deficit you're still dieting until you hit your maintenance yeah um other than as a psychological tool so all you really need to factor in is, well, how much did I weigh at the start? And what was my maintenance of that? And how much do I weigh now? And then try and be there. And if you can do that, it could be a useful tool that, that people use with a good degree of success. And I think it's something that's used more and more than yeah. people realize. At You know, people who have appearances at events to do and stuff like that. I think it's something that's actually more commonplace than people realize. And it's just not talked about because it's not trendy or cool.
1: What do you mean? What's not trendy or cool?
0: Um, Like crash diets, proni diets, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing is with this, if you are someone that struggles with food, your relationship with food, if you have disordered eating patterns, or if you've ever had an eating disorder or anything like that, this is 100% not an approach for you. You know, I mean, one thing that I've got issue with is that bodybuilding is an extreme sport. It's the way it was always seen. And back in the day, in the nineties, two thousands, you know around around the time that I got into it, it was a niche thing. It was bodybuilders were weird. Yeah. Like any bodybuilder was weird, but competitive bodybuilders were really weird. It just wasn't the thing that people did. Now it's become popular, but the approach is no less extreme. And people are fighting and fighting and fighting for the the, the way that you can soften the edges as much as possible and still get the you know the ultimate results. But the fact still remains the best amongst us are the ones that take it to the biggest extreme. That will always be the case. And this yes. is just an extension of that. You know, when you get people that they want to do a tidy up, I'll see some people they will do a, what we do, a really aggressive tidy up. Yeah. Two weeks later, they, they look completely different. They have dropped yes. a considerable amount of weight and then they crack on. Then you get other people that will do a mini diet and they're talking eight to 10 weeks. Yeah. Eight to 10 weeks out of an off-season, when you are considering prep at the end of it, most people don't have that much time to give to a mini diet.
0: I think actually on the subject of actual bodybuilding, that's probably where this tool is the most useful, is mid-off-season, you gained a bit more than you realised, and you, you want to carry on with progress, but you want to gain insulin sensitivity back, you want to gain, um, I think you, uh, you can gain a, d- a good degree of digestive flexibility back, um you know pull the band off get it done and then you can carry on making progress
2: yeah i mean
1: because that's the thing i know a lot of people would be like oh but what about afterwards you know what if you just binge afterwards and things like that well, then you if that's, yourself. yeah if, if that's the way that you react to being in a diet then bodybuilding is not for you yeah you you need to have the the ability to maintain that discipline and have that have enough self-control to not do that shit yeah And if you can't, then don't do it. Because this is the thing. Neither of us are advocating for anybody to try this because this is not something anybody can
2: do. It's
0: very silly. Um, On the subject of very silly. um, Things you can expect to experience if you decide to be very silly.
1: (sighs) I don't know about you, but every time I've done it, I've felt different each time.
0: So there's one constant that I was discussing this with Scott Francis yesterday that me and him have both had that I didn't realize anyone else had ever had. So you'll always get a degree of brain fog. Yeah. Um, I actually will generally find, certainly to start with, that I, I feel a bit more productive. Um, maybe we could take my mind off it. I'll normally get some degree of insomnia. Right. In the process. However, uh, me and Scott... We discussed it yesterday, we both get periods of, um, like, nervous energy. Hmm.
2: Yeah, you know what?
0: And I'd never really realised until Scott said, Scott described it as, like, I don't suffer with anxiety, but I feel like what I imagine an anxiety attack would be like when my calories are very, very low. Um, and and I, I had it last night, and I, I realised I've had it every time I've gone very, very low. And I'd never put my finger on what it was. I just felt a bit diety.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: like, you know what? I I mean, settle, um, you know, getting up and down, like can't quite. It,
1: yeah, re, like, not irritable in the sense that things are annoying you, irritable in the sense that you can't be still.
0: Yeah, which yeah. is the opposite of what you would expect.
1: Yeah, because most people just experience lethargy when they go very low with calories. You know, yes. the, the the unwillingness or the, you know, very little want to actually move. But I think that's the out.
0: difference between the, the rip the band-aid off thing versus where you very slowly go into what becomes a very extreme deficit.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the, there is going to be a, a different physiological reaction to it because you because of the extreme approach yes. to it. But, you know, say, now that you said that, last time I did it, in December you know I dropped seven and a half kilos in two weeks yeah um, and as you just mentioned Scott I, I'd seen Scott at a gym down in Wales um at the, back end, at the back end of November and then I bumped into him in Kings in Bolton a few weeks later and he was just like what the fuck have you been doing because I mean and it was it was seven it was seven and a half kilos and none of it was muscle because during the process I actually got stronger yeah my, you know, my lifts were still going up, which is completely counterintuitive because my calories were so, so low. So realistically, been, my energy levels should have been so low as well. But had, I, during that time, I had no trouble sleeping, and my energy levels were fairly consistent.
0: Had you, um, had you been kind of off the boil with training for a little while before that?
1: No, i been, i been, I'd actually been on it all the way through. Um, I'd been consistent with everything.
2: Yeah.
1: It was literally just that at the drop of a dime, I suddenly went from being on probably anywhere between three and a half to 4,000 calories a day to some days it will have definitely been less than a thousand.
0: Yeah. And the switch was overnight. Sorry. And you didn't lose all your muscles?
1: No. No, I just lost an incredibly large amount of fat in a very, very short period of time.
0: And then can crack the fuck on. And that's, that's really the nub of it. That's what this is useful for. It's not a Sharon, you need to lose some weight. Try this because it won't work for Sharon unless you know, Sharon's a really hardcore bodybuilder. I'm sure there is a Sharon out there that's a wicked bodybuilder. And to you, I apologize. In, in terms of training, what Andy's described is a little bit unusual. Um, I trained tonight in my home gym and I, um, I, I probably managed a 30 40 minute session that was reasonably intense but nothing like I would normally be able to manage but you can get by and it's for a couple of weeks and nothing bad's gonna happen um, in terms of day to day no real issues just it maybe takes a little bit more effort to get going and that's kind of always been my consistently my consistent experience towards the end of it it'll start to bite and yeah. um, at that last point it almost feels like every extra day doubles in hardness from the day before but also that point you really start to see changes almost every day
1: yeah i mean that that is one thing and that that's where the balance comes from because when you get into a deficit that is that deep you will get up every morning and be like i look different yeah the next day i i that that wasn't there before there's a new vein there's a new line there's a new bit of separation and it's every single day but then like you said you will hit that point where all of a sudden you'll wake up in the morning. And all of those feelings that have been like, oh, I thought I'd be really lethargic. I thought brain fog would have been worse. I thought I would have felt like shit. It's like it's been a kinetic buildup and all of a sudden it just goes and hits you all at once. And that's when you reach the point where you go, right, now I'm going to have to try and stick it out properly because every day feels like the last week of
0: prep. And almost exactly like training where those reps up until that point have been really easy and then suddenly it gets hard. They're the ones that I think really count because by that point, you've burnt through every bit of systemic glycogen, you've burnt through every bit of fuel that your body's got available, other than stored body fat. Yeah, so at that point, every calorie is coming from body fat. And if you think you've got a maintenance of 4,000 calories, you're eating a thousand calories we'll assume that it's a 1,000 calories, although if they're from protein, the chance of your body using a 1,000 calories worth of energy are very minimal. There's a 3,000 calorie deficit every day that your body's having to purely pull from body fat. You'd have to eat like an absolute knobhead to un- undo that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, when you get a lot of people, especially when it comes to the end of prep, generally what you're looking at is people come to the end of prep, they're doing two hours of cardio a day, maybe doing additional steps on top of that, you know they've been in. They're in a deficit through restriction of caloric intake as well. So, to maintain the deficit that you need at the end of prep, you need to to do everything you can. Expenditure as high as possible as you know what can be recovered from. Your training is the same, and you, your caloric intake is as low as possible. The reason why people rebound so hard after a prep
0: is they stop is because doing all the things they've been doing.
1: Everything. everything. All the drugs stop. They stop all the cardio, the step count reduces to whatever they do, pottering to and from the couch and the fridge. The caloric intake goes up by 300, 400%. So, even if they maintained all the steps, all the calories, and the drugs, they would still be in a caloric surplus because of how much extra they're eating. Yeah. But on top of that, you're removing 1,000 calories a day burnt through movement. Yeah. Whatever else you, you would be burning through your training. And so, good. Yeah, exactly. So you've gone from a deficit that you're holding on to because by that point your body's you know you're slowing down, to all of a sudden you're in a huge surplus. Yeah. Thousands and thousands of calories of a surplus every single day. That's why people get fat so fast. It's got nothing to do with starvation mode. It's got nothing to do with your metabolism being broken it or is, anything else.
0: It is worth pointing out that if people want to do that, that's cool. Just don't cry about it. Yeah, and also. Maybe don't post photos a week after your show. I've eaten ten thousand calories a day and I'm still shredded. No one's surprised. Yeah. It's not a shock. Mm. You're not magic.
1: I mean the thing is, it's not even about that one. It's not even a week after. I see some of them, they'll go out for the post show feed, and then they wake up in the morning and they're like, Oh, still there, abs are still there of course they're still there, you fucking plant pot.
0: <laughs> the, um, there does come a point, not that I'm advocating binge eating, but there does come a point where your body's ability to store additional calories over and above your normal surplus becomes somewhat diminished. Yeah. So, you know, even if you manage to go absolute spaz-tard and do like 10 or 12,000 calories a day, you're probably not going to lay down much more fat than the guy that did six or seven.
1: Yeah, I mean, th- lie- and that, that's the thing as well. Every calorie that is eaten isn't utilised. No. You know, it's like one thing, that, one thing that I have seen, this is going off topic a little bit, but it's, you know, and I'm going to say it anyway. When you see people and they're saying that they're eating 1,000 grams of carbs a day, 1,100 grams of carbs, 1,200 grams of carbs a day, the number of people that could actually consume that many grams of carbs a day and still need more are very, very, very few and far between. And one thing that when I see that and I just think, and there's still like, you know, there's still not gaining a lot of body. I just think that your body's not utilising what you're eating.
0: Or you don't know how to count and you're eating a thousand grams of carb sauces. Because a thousand grams of cooked pasta isn't a thousand grams of carbs, believe it or not, people. <laughs> yeah. Because that, that is a thing that I've seen.
1: What, people saying they have a hundred grams of pasta, so therefore it's a hundred grams of carbs.
0: I ordered from a meal prep company a few weeks ago that will remain nameless. They said their meals contained 100 grams of protein. And I thought, wow, that sounds epic. I'll get that and split it in two. What they meant was it was 100 grams of cooked chicken. Oh. But it said on the front of the tub, 100 grams of protein. That is not the same.
1: No. No, it's really, really not.
0: So, on topic, proni diets... The layout of it, because people people have messaged me, even the last few days, what kind of foods do I eat? What kind of macro spit do I have? My breakdown of that has always been just eat lean meats and a bit of whey, don't worry about it too much and you'll be fine. However, people seem to want to know about macro spits and exactly how they would lay that out. So could you perhaps suggest how you would lay that out if someone really wanted to do it?
1: Um, I can use I the. I'll, I'll use the 2012 version that I did. I know this one. In the run up to the 2012 Northwest Championships, I was.
0: You know, that was nearly 10 years ago now. I know. You
1: old? I, I am old. 35 now. Um, I was six weeks out and I went to see Sean at the time, Sean Tavernier was living wow. in Bolton. I um, went to see him, and he had a look at me, and he was just like, you're nine weeks out, and the show was in six weeks. He was like, you're not going to be ready in time. I was just like, I will be. He was just like, you won't. I was just like, well, I'll come back and see you in six weeks. I was like, I won't let you see me until then, and we'll just see where we, see where we are. And then, from that day, I... Switched out everything. All my carbs stopped. All my fats stopped. My breakfast was 12 to 15 egg whites. And then meal two, three, four, five, and six was 300 to 400 grams of cod. And then my last meal of the day was another 12 to 15 egg whites. That was it. Every day for six weeks. And I dropped from 88 kilos to, I think it was 81 in about three weeks.
0: For somebody that's already lean, that's that's very different to me dropping seven kilos.
1: Yeah. And then, I mean, that that was the thing. at, At that show, I competed at 79 kilos. So to, to drop from 88 to 79 it, over those six weeks, you know, it, especially at the time, it felt like a lot. And obviously I was doing this at the time. I was still with my ex-wife. So the kids were there, those responsibilities, that side of things. But it worked. Yeah. And that was it. It, it. But it was that simple. There was no, yeah. there was no science to it. There was nothing special. It was just keep cardio the same.
0: Because I, I tend to find towards the end of this, just to get a little bit variety, I end up eating things like prawns and, I, I get a bit weird with seafood. Seafood seems to be a good choice. When people ask me about it, I always say that, you know, 1,200 calories a day of just protein will be plenty. But actually, as long as it's just lean protein you're having, I personally don't believe that it would make any difference whether you had 1,200 or 2,400 calories worth of it. No. I, I'm sure people will disagree with me, but from my experience, it makes little to no difference. Um, yeah.
1: I remember a number of years ago, I believe there was a couple of studies that were done with protein overfeeding.
0: I'm still obsessed with protein overfeeding. And I'm still convinced that that is the key if people can digest it and get away with it. In, in all things, in dieting and in bulking.
1: Why do, why do you say the same for in bulking?
0: Uh, I've done it with clients. It worked really well. Alan Carlson was my guinea pig for that. Um, I had him on 500 grams of protein for about nine months and he went from men's physique to, I think, Super heavies, he competed in in the end. Was it super heavies? Yeah, because he went to do classic, and they said they, they said, "Oh, come and do the the open men's bodybuilding as well," and he won that. Yeah. Um. But he was someone again who, at the time, was able to be super, super dedicated and on it. Um, I've done it with a fair few people, and um, if they can, just like with kind of a prony diet, if they can maintain a surplus and then just whack in another 150 200 grams of protein on top of it they seem to grow really really well again especially if they're assisted yeah. um, you know and I referred back to studies that showed that um, no increase in 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 body fat in people that were given a surplus so I think it was like they had a they had a control group on like 2500 calories and they added like another thousand calories from just protein to another group um, and that group despite being on a thousand calories more as those thousand calories came just from protein gained no additional body fat. I think they actually gained a small amount of lean mass and that's in natural people that aren't training.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think there was another one. I remember speaking about it with you. Um,
0: Court cool. Cooper tried it as well and got really good results and then just okay. kind of interest in bodybuilding.
1: I think w- wasn't wasn't one of the um, trials that they did up to 750 grams of protein, in it? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I think they were using a, like a whey isolate or something to, to physically do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no that, that's body- the thing though. That- You know, obviously the main point that you were making there that if you are doing a proly diet, you don't have to have your caloric intake that ridiculously low.
0: No, no. I mean, if you decide to add your protein from sausages and burgers and lamb chops and things, you're going to have a bad time. But if it's from lean protein sources so chicken, cod, um, very lean beef, you're, you're unlikely to have a problem in my opinion.
1: Yeah, until until afterwards, because it, like it was almost ten years ago that I did that diet with the egg whites and the cod, i yeah. and I still can't eat cod.
0: Psychologically or physically?
1: Like one, if I start to eat it, as soon as my brain kind of goes, "This is cod," I, I like I, I, I just I will chew it and chew it and chew it, but my body doesn't want to swallow it. I mean, I was going through, I think I was going through about one of. How much was I having? One, one and a half
0: kilos yeah.
1: pod a day.
0: Your brain does strange things in prep or in extreme diets. I mean, there's the stuff that I ate on prep or, or when I've done these kind of diets that I've then made afterwards gone, oh, I really enjoyed that and I, know, Like Christian Chapman, he makes these whey cakes and it's just whey protein, uh, water and um, bicarbonate sodium that's like 100 grams of whey and uh, bicarbon mixes it and microwaves it and it goes into like a big thing thing and um i could probably go for one of those right now i guarantee you it tastes like shit <laughs> but it makes like a casserole dish full of sweets it's kind of like stale cake texture yeah
1: yeah well, Kate used to make uh, mug cakes
0: yeah all the time yeah.
1: same thing so yeah, yeah.
0: they're crap you unless you are dieted then they're great
1: yeah Maya a lot of the things that when, when you're dieting can be amazing. And then, then when you're back to being a normal person and you eat it, you go, that's shit.
2: That's really that's shit.
0: Terrible. I don't know what's wrong with it.
1: Like protein that's... bars.
0: Yeah, protein pancakes are another one I don't get. Normal pancakes are made of egg. Not sure what you're doing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a stupid thing, but it does have a place. Um, I think it's really important to understand that, you know, This isn't something that we're advocating as a general weight loss thing. It's something that when I do, people ask about it. And it's a tool that I enjoy. It's a tool that you've used. It's a tool that that Scott uses. I know quite a few people that do it. Um, And I think it always attracts a lot of interest. And a lot of the people who hear about it go, yeah, I can do that. It will be a doddle. And you know what? The vast majority of them fail. And that's not I'm better than those people uh, because I'm not at all. I just I'm good at being stubborn for a short period of time. I can't diet for long periods of time. Now I haven't got it in me because I can't maintain discipline for that long period of time. But I can. Yeah. I quite enjoy the challenge of suffering for a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's if you do have a particular um, sadistic streak in you, then it is something that is is good to do because it will feed that need. But it's it's 100% not for everybody. It's no. really not.
0: No. So if you're listening to this and thinking you know what well, I fancy giving that a go ask yourself is it because you really think that's something that you can do and that will suit you or is it because you're looking for a quick fix to a problem that you've been avoiding for years if it's the second option I'd strongly suggest you avoid it and as Andy said before if you've had any kind of issues around disordered eating or obsessive eating um don't in fact I've had a couple of issues myself in the past and at any point in this if I become food focused I just sack it off yeah I seem to be old enough now that I don't care.
1: Yeah, that's that's one thing that I, I have found. Hev- every time I've gone that extreme, my food focus has gone.
0: Food yeah, food. it's very different to being like on a restricted diet, but, oh, well, I could probably fit that in and this isn't – I can't fit anything in. It's just – well, you, you can you can put some whey with your egg whites if you want. That's about as fit it in as it gets.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, like the last, the, the most recent time that I did it during December, I would, I mean, all the way through my prep in 2019, I didn't follow a specific plan. I just kind of went with, I would hold off having my first meal for as long as possible. Yeah. So if I could make it to 11, half 11, even if I was up at six, I would wait until 11, half 11 to have my first meal. Yeah. Um, and I essentially just did that. But then I found that there were a few days, there were three, maybe four days where I was like, I'm not hungry. And I didn't eat.
0: Yeah. And nothing bad happened.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. I wouldn't advise that for people. And I, to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't want to guide anybody through it.
0: And as a coach, it's probably not something you would ever suggest. I've done one pronely with, with Harry Bristow. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Harry listens to the podcast, but we, we discussed. Harry has been very open. He had anorexia. And uh, we kind of discussed, hey, you know what, compared to being an anorexic, this is a Donald. And he kind of used that as his, like, that was his way of focusing, uh, visualizing it. Yeah. Um, and it became really, really easy for him. Um, but that's someone who had gone long periods of eating basically nothing. Um, yeah. And I've done it, I've done it with a couple of natural clients, actually, um, one of whom won several natural championships gareth burns i think i sent you a bit of him he got freaky lean mm-hmm. um but i did it he was on a, a longer sustained diet and then we would just drop in periods of like three days of it um, and that was that was quite a good tactic for the actual the body build. Um, because you couldn't maintain that with a natural client who was already in prep for for 10 20 days it wouldn't be practical but you could you could kind of just how do you feel yeah i feel really good right well we'll turn the wick up for a couple of days and you know Take advantage of the fact that you feel good while we can.
1: Yeah, and one of the bizarre things about doing that because that is something that I've utilized before. When you or the client returns back to the pre-drop diet,
0: you get a bit of a boost.
1: It feels like they're eating a lot more than they did when they were doing it, even just three or four days before, or a week before. Yeah. Which again, psychologically helps them no end when they come into the back end of the uh, of the diet. Because I, I don't know. I don't know if you're the same. I've not actually spoke to Scott about him doing this, but when I do stop the process and I go back to eating more frequently, I never get that, that desire to just plough food in.
0: Um, I think I still do a little bit. Um, however, your stomach tends to have shrunk so much that you, you can't.
2: Hmm.
0: So I tend to, because I try to consciously set a day, right, well, we're, we're done at this point. And, um, I will try and make sure that I've got in the house I really like steak and I really like sweet potato fries, so I'll just try and make sure I've got some a nice piece of steak, sweet potato fries in the oven, and actually if I get home and cook that, I'll eat what I've been eating through the day, I'll have that for tea um, because you've eaten so little food, actually that is enough, if you if you can be a grown up enough to eat that and wait half an hour, you'll realise actually you're, you're really rather full um, and then just yeah. eat it normal eating over the course of a couple of days, if you just go in and binge, which I've done in the past, um, you'll probably shit yourself. <laughs> Not definitely, but there's a strong possibility. <laughs> very.
1: Or like that time when we first met. When well it was shortly after when you were prepping and you still worked for Sky at the time.
2: Yeah.
1: And then you you were getting very, very lean and everything was going very well. So we we're just like, right, let's push things up for today. And we planned what you were going to have. And oh. then you, you messaged me at half past nine and said, I've eaten all of my food.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, what? Why? Um, I'm not sure. And then about half an hour later, you sent me a picture of the toilet in the shopping centre that was just just looked like a bomb had gone off. Yeah. You you were the bomb and it was sick and it was everywhere.
0: Yeah. Happy times. Yeah. Happy times. At um, least
1: you're not much of a retard anymore.
0: Well, uh, you know what? I, I honestly think if I tried to bodybuild, um, I probably would be, and I think that's why I avoid it because, yeah. I've got, you know what? Most of my customers are bodybuilders. I've got massive respect for competitive bodybuilding. I enjoy training. I enjoy getting lean. I enjoy getting bigger. I really enjoy the process of getting bigger. But I am now um, – I've let my ego lower enough to admit that I'm happy. I'm happy to admit that I I can't do it.
2: Yeah.
1: And you know what? I think that that's something. I was actually I was having a conversation about that with somebody today, and I said, if you if you've competed, if you've tried it, if you've got on stage, even if you've done it for a year or two, and then you suddenly get to a point where it just doesn't do it for you anymore, then stop. I, I like, only- there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with just admitting that this isn't for me anymore. Especially if it's causing you fucking huge negatives with regards to your relationship with yourself, your reflection, you know, the way that you feel in general, your
0: food relationship. Anyone who's got that lean will know. And I'm glad that I've got that lean once in my life, or a couple of times maybe. No matter how naturally, well maybe, you can't do it half-assed. To get that lean, it has to become obsessive, it has to be your whole life. Like you said, it's an extreme sport. Yeah, um, and the, the the payoff just isn't isn't worth it for me. Um, yeah, you, I huge respect for the people that do it. Um, I I just enjoy getting a bit lean, but getting lean enough to take your top off on the beach is relatively easy. Going from there to stage lean, as far as most people are concerned, doesn't look that different, really. Like if you were to ask like my mum. But the amount of work required is is astronomical.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's like it's like when it comes to benching. You know, the difference between going from two plates to side to three plates to side is it's quite big. That feels like a much bigger difference in weight than going from one plate side to two. To go from two to three feels like quite a lot. The difference between three to four is big. Yeah, and beyond that is fucking huge. I you know, know. It's, like, it's like a Richter scale. Beyond beyond every every point beyond six is worth a full value below
0: it. It is you know, worth it's bearing in mind that i can right. bench five players. So... You can, you can bench five players. Yeah. Yeah. It's all I've got left. Don't take it away from me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> can you squat five?
0: No. <laughs> not anymore. Oh. No, I can I'm that guy that can bench more than he can squat now. I can deadlift five, like six on a good day with a following wind.
1: You you are the official Brody builder, aren't you?
0: I'm Johnny Bravo. Which I'm fine with. He's a dude.
2: Um oh, fucking hell. But yeah,
1: to to bring it full circle and to come back onto the thing that we said that we were going to talk about. Oh doing doing an extreme diet works if you can do it and that's it if you can do it
0: and i'd just like you to sum up with because i think it's relevant it's what made me really want to do this you were talking the other day about these people going on about diets don't work because five years later you put on all of the weight in your own words can you cover that for our listeners because i don't want to paraphrase you because it's something I, I massively agree with. And this idea of people saying diets don't work because eventually you put the weight back on when you go back to doing everything you were doing before is, is mind-blowingly stupid. Yeah,
1: it's just the it's part of the... I think it's part part and parcel with the body positivity movement and things like that. But there's a, a lot of people now that love to parrot the phrase, <clears throat> diets don't work. And the, the basis for that is stating that A study that was done, and I don't know whether it was a study that showed this or whether this was a meta-analysis of studies that found that after five years of successfully dieting, therefore dieting and dropping the weight that the the subject wanted to lose, five years after, they had gained 80% of that weight back.
0: But even if you hadn't done a study, that wouldn't surprise me because people do a diet to achieve a goal, and when they've achieved the goal, return to their former habits.
1: Yeah. Now, to diet in its, in its most basic form, which is to enter into a calorie deficit with the intention of losing weight, it does work because entering a caloric deficit is the only thing that helps you lose weight, period. If you are not in a calorie deficit, you are not going to lose weight. That's just the way that physics works. And regardless of the way that you feel about that, physics doesn't fucking care and it won't change. Now, the way that you achieve that is massively varied. And the way that any particular person should approach it is massively varied. One of the issues that I've got for general population people following a diet in the traditional sense is that a diet has a termination date. So if you diet for a holiday, the day that you go on holiday is the day that your diet stops. But what people do in their head is to go, right, I've stopped my diet. So every process that they've put in place during the diet, all the habits, all the rituals, all their actions stop like that. And they go back to what they were doing before. Therefore, they gain weight. They move less. You know, They're not training as much. They'll start skipping workouts. They eat more. They start to snack again. If you return back to the habits of your former self, you will physically return to your former self. Now, for me, that study that was done over five years showed that the subjects gained about 80% of the weight that they originally had. To me, that kind of proves that diets do work because they only gained 80% of it back after five years, not 100 or 110 or 120.
0: And and then finally, I had a couple of people message me saying, Oh, but if you go too low on your calories, doesn't that stop you losing weight? Which I, of no, course, no, that's not a thing. Shh. But then Liam from HR Labs. That, that, who, that's uh, like saying, if you get too cold, do you get hot? But then Liam from HR Labs, who I do respect, and he's been a very good natural bodybuilder. I think he's competed at a national level. He's also been a powerlifter. He messaged me and said, because he's a little bit old school, bless him. Yeah, but what about you've been on prep five, six weeks, you've been on like 1,200 calories, and your weight's just not moving. You're doing all your cardio. You know, nothing's changed. You haven't cheated, but your weight's not moving. Because I've been there, and my clients have been there. And then you you have a, a refeed, and your weight starts to move again. I know what I said to Liam, but what would you have said?
1: More often than not, if you've got somebody that's in prep that believes that they are on very, very low calories and that they are maintaining it very well, there is either going to be an element of unconscious eating, so they're eating calories that they are not actually aware of, be that in the plan that they're following. They are unconsciously eating in the sense of they are physically eating additional food and just aren't registering it. Or, and this is usually the most common one, if somebody says, I'm doing all my workouts, I'm doing all my cardio, you know, and I'm sticking to my diet and I'm just not losing any weight, that's because anytime that they are not training, they're not doing cardio, they are sat down. <clears throat> they move as little as possible, which means that their meat drops. And yeah. after a while, it doesn't take too long. It completely negates the deficit that they're in. And then they have a refeed, they get a surge of sodium, fats carbs, just overall feeling that little bit better, a little bit more energy and they move more.
0: They push on. And then
1: they, get, they get a shift in the scale.
0: But after going back and forth, Liam did eventually agree that if that person just sucked it up for long enough, the scale would start to move because yeah. they're not magic. I mean, the thing is, people people use like either their own
1: personal experience with that or somebody else's experience with it as a, as a justification or a verification that you can go too low on calories. But I've been challenged to... with that before, and I've just said, explain how. Explain how you have maintained a calorie deficit and your body has refused to to,
0: to give up fat. Well, no it, always, it always gets to, you're not magic. Yeah. There is no scenario in which case your body can make energy from nothing.
1: Well, one thing that I've said, being a bit of a knobhead, yes, yes. is if you are able to maintain a deep calorie deficit, and not lose any weight, get in touch with NASA. Because they are really going to want to study the way that your body works.
0: Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, and me and you have said it a million times, when someone says, I'm in a deficit, but I'm not losing weight, then you're not in a deficit. And that can trigger people, and they can take offence. And we went through on the previous podcast about this. So if you are interested in that, the first podcast is probably more appropriate for you. Um, There are so many reasons why you may genuinely believe that you're in a deficit, but you're not losing weight. But if you're in a deficit and you're not losing weight, you're not in a deficit, there's no...
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, th- and that's it. And again, like you said, people can get triggered by it, they can be offended by it. But and that's because feelings upset are...
0: We don't say it to upset someone, but by lying to someone, you're not helping them. Or yeah. even, just, even just agreeing with their self-belief, if, if it's wrong, by supporting that, even if you go, oh yeah, maybe you're not helping them get any further towards their goal. No. No,
1: and that, and that's it. And it can be hard to hear the truth when it isn't what you want it to be, but it's still what you need to hear, especially if you've got a goal.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, I, I want to lose weight and I'm, I'm dieting and I'm in a deficit, but I'm not losing weight. Why not? Because you're not in a deficit. No, I definitely am. If you were, you would be losing weight. If you are not, it's because you're not in a deficit. Something needs to be adjusted. Something that should be counted isn't being, something that needs to be addressed hasn't been, but it's that clean cut. Yeah,
0: yeah it really is. And on that note, we will sign off. Thank you very much for listening. The next podcast will be with Darren from FitX following the announcement that Boris is going to let us all out like children that have been naughty, that have finally been given... Um, what is it they said? You're going to get your freedom back. That thing oh, you're yeah. going to take anyway. I'm not going to get started on that. Um, that will be... next week. Um, is there anything you want to say before we go, Andrew?
1: I don't think so. I think we've covered everything. Other than it's been
2: wonderful to see you first. It has um, been. I will come and see you soon. I look forward to it.